Welcome back to the Product Stories Podcast, hosted by Victor Peralnik. This podcast helps founders like yourself to find leaner ways to build successful SaaS products. We talk about product management, development, remote work, and anything else that non-technical, as well as technical founders need to know to launch and scale software products. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive exclusive write-ups with highlights, takeaways, and quick wins from the episodes straight to your inbox. Welcome to Product Stories. Today's guest is Esben Fries Jensen, co-founder of UserFlow, and together we'll dive into product-led growth, improving user onboarding, and reducing the support burden for SaaS companies. Esben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Esben, why, why don't you give us a little background about yourself and your, your company? Yeah, no, so I'm one of the founders of uh, UserFlow, and UserFlow is basically a no-code or low-code way to build in-app onboarding product tours and surveys. And uh, yeah, we started the company, uh, what is it now, a bit over two years ago and then going strong and especially moving fast these days where product that growth is becoming a big thing. Yeah, that's awesome. How, how did you get started? How, how, how did you realize the problem you're, you're solving right now? So the, the company was originally founded by my co-founder and then I joined later, but he, he basically had built a small, he came from another SaaS startup as well. And then he had seen the need for, for better onboarding. Initially, he built like a video kind of onboarding uh, service, but he found out that wasn't interactive enough for the end user. And then actually as part of that product, he had built in-app guide himself and all the, the users kept saying like, can we get something like this? Can we get something like this? And uh, then he just uh, realized that maybe that was the product he needed to build. Um, so uh, he pivoted uh, and and then I joined him. I came from another company that I founded, Cobalt, uh, which is a security uh, software as a service company as well. And in Cobalt, we had also done a big initiative to move towards product-led growth. And I, I found it extremely fascinating and and uh, i see it as the 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 future and that's why i wanted to to join my co-founder sebastian on this uh, journey yeah no of course if when you're building a tiny feature and suddenly everybody wants that instead of your your main product that's what product validation looks like right yes uh, that's awesome and you you are completely bootstrapped right up until now yeah, so we are the two of us, and uh, yeah, trying a bit different approach this time. In in Cobalt, we we did the more VC traditional VC route, but in this one, we're we're gonna go completely bootstrap. This is so far two people, and uh, yeah, we we're focusing a, a lot on making it product led to reduce uh, the need to hire uh, a lot of people in the team. And we've we've not gone into what is product like growth yet, but but already uh, since you're mentioning it, is is that the approach a, a bootstrapper should take? Is that what saves resources, or or am I understanding that correctly? I think I think if you want to have a product that scales at least, then yes, right. Of course, you can build a small business with two people, but if you want to build a, a larger business with with more customers and and go for even for like billion dollar company with with a few employees, uh, then then I think you need to have a really strong product that does a lot of the the work for you. Do any companies come to top of your mind that people would know who you would say, hey, this is a typically really well done product led 
uh, SaaS business that people recognize? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of product-led examples. Uh, so Zoom comes to mind, right? Zoom is, of course, also I think they're VC-backed, or at least at least the founders had a lot of money probably already, and they they have this freemium model, right, where everybody in the world can download Zoom and use it. And that gives that kind of viral word of mouth effect from using their product uh, that they then use to to sell to larger businesses. So, so I think they are a great example. Slack is a great example uh, of somebody who offers also like a freemium model and really sells via their product and have a lot of like viral effects in their product. And then, of course, the big uh, drama these days with Basecamp, I think. Basecamp is like they, they at least there are some things I admire about Basecamp, like the the, the number of few employees, right? Uh, and and that I think is really interesting. Like, can because the traditional route is always that you have to grow in employees to grow, right? But I actually think find it super fascinating that that you can you can grow maybe without hiring. Uh, that many employees. Yeah, and so so now we know product like growth might have something to do with hiring less people, might have something to do with freemium. But to give an introduction, what <laughs> is product led growth? Yeah, no, uh, great. Now we, I think we made it a definition, right? So yeah, no. So product led growth, as I see it, is basically that the product is basically your. The, the main focus of your business, you need to ha- you use it kind of as a, a sales tool. You also use it for retention, and and the entire company should really be focused on having a, a great product that drives both growth and retention. Right, that's kind of how on a high level I see product-led growth. The alternative to product-led growth uh, is sales-led growth, where you more uh, do the traditional, especially in software as a service, you do the traditional kind of demo request. And then uh, a sales meeting, and then when you actually sell the deal, you might have customer success managers who takes over and service the customer, right? And I think that that that's the the, the opposite of product-led growth. Um, I think many businesses will probably in SaaS end up in some kind of hybrid. I don't think it's black and white kind of that you do one or the other necessarily, but but you many most SaaS businesses will do some kind of hybrid. I think in the future. Are you enjoying this product stories episode? Make sure to never fall behind and stay current with monthly recaps of the two previous podcast episodes by subscribing. You can get the best highlights, takeaways, and quick wins accessible at any time. To access the Go-Getters guidelines for people who like getting straight to the point, hit subscribe now. And uh, how how would you decide what approach is best for your company? Are there some clear indicators like the the target audience or the type of product, or is there anything that that founders can decide? Yeah, on? I think. I mean, when you start out as a smaller SaaS company, I think product led is kind of a natural path because you have limited limited uh, resources available to you and you almost always at least as a SaaS founder are very focused on your product and I think the kind of sales-led model happens a bit later as you grow but I my honest opinion is I, I would try to stay product-led uh, for as long as I can and try to really focus on that because the sales-led part is going to kind of come uh, on its own right it's going to come in on its own uh, because of larger customers who require sales meetings uh, and, and and a longer procurement uh, cycle and so on. But even in enterprise, I think you should always have 
somewhat a product-led mindset? Can I somehow make them more self-service? Can I retain them via the product in a smarter way? Can I grow them via the product in a smarter way, right? So you're not always thinking sales-led uh, in enterprise, uh, but also thinking product-led there. And especially in SMB, I think you can think product-led all the way because SMB customers like startups are very used to buying everything self-service. So you're really you're you're creating a barrier of entry by asking them to have a demo, right? Someone like me in a two-person company, I hate to you know buy a tool when I have to buy a tool that I have to do a demo, right? That that's like I, I must rather just want to try it out and 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 see what it can do. The exception to all this, I would say, and I think there's this community called ProductLet.com, and they put it in a good way, I think. If you're in a very niche market where a lot of things has to be explained and it's a new kind of SaaS market, then you might need a more sales-led approach because it requires more explanation. I would say Cobalt actually started out that way. We, we were very product-led to begin with, and then we moved more to sales-led because we were replacing a service industry like consultancies doing penetration testing, right? And at that point in time, we, we saw that a lot of the customers required a lot of explanation around what is a pen test, how to, what do we do, why is Cobalt different from the others, right, and, and so on. Uh, but over time, pen test became such a, a standard thing to do that this this explanation was not as required, right, and, and, and everybody found out, ah, you can do it via software as a service platform. And that meant that we could transition back into a product-led model, right, where you, you do less explanation and you can easier self-sales service, right? But I would say there are probably some niche markets out there that that uh, where you where where you might want to start with a self-sales model. But I, I think that's the exception and not the rule. But but that's very interesting, and, and, and I'm glad you're touching this because one might think that before you hit product market fit, everybody's saying, talk to your customer, talk to your customer. Actually, it doesn't matter if even if you're selling $10 a month plans, add the book a demo button just to get in touch with people, learn more, get yeah. that quantitative, not that qualitative data. And yeah. uh, so is that is that approach, how do you, you work with customer feedback when you really start product led? Yeah. I, first of all, I would never remove the demo path. I, I think at UserFlow, we also have a demo path, right? We have, but, but our primary path is a free trial, right? We have a two-week free trial in UserFlow, and that's the path we try to get the most people down off, but we do offer the demo path just in case people want to talk. But I think it's a, it's a common mistake to think, like, just because you do product-led, you don't talk to your customers, right? I talk to customers every day even though they do free trials via our chat, right? We have a chat widget on our site, right? And they ask us questions all the time and we learn from that and we learn how to become better and what they're looking for and what they might not like, right? The other thing in a product-led approach is you are very analytical. There's a lot of like product tools out there, LockRocket, Heap, Amplitude, you know, iteratively, you know, data tools that you can use to, to analyze your customer behavior, right? I would say for early stage startup, that might be a bit overkill sometimes, but later stage, like just when you grow a bit, you you definitely can you get a lot of benefits from looking at this data and see um, how you can improve your product, right? So I think that's a that's another way to go about it. It's a more kind of product driven and analytical way 
instead of the more like you have to speak to every single customer to understand who they are, right? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So the tool belt that a product-led growth company should have is uh, probably, as you already mentioned, some sort of analytics tool for gathering user insights and usage insights. Probably a software to to better manage the backlog, prioritize new features according to that user input, and probably something that you're building, which is a user onboarding solution that helps people find their way around the application. Is that more or less yeah. correct or is there anything else? Yeah, that- no, I think, and the last bit I just want to add is maybe, you know, uh, you still want to have that open communication channel like a chat widget on your side, right? Oh, sure. That people can reach you. Uh, I think that's key as well. You don't want to be... Sure. You don't want to be a machine, right? You're still human beings, and and there should be a way that they can reach a human to speak to. And I, I think uh, you can learn a lot from that. But yes, we do uh, user onboarding uh, at scale, right? So instead of having to explain the users what to do every time they kind of go into your platform, and especially the first time they go into your platform, we build a way to allow you to build onboarding for the customers at scale, uh, basically. So what, what are the common mistakes that people or well, SaaS founders, SaaS businesses in general make with user onboarding? Yeah, I think uh, this is just, of course, my opinion, but data also seems to, 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 to say this, right? But in general, what we see is the first thing many will do when they build in-app onboarding, right? So uh, you, the, the first mistake would, of course, be just let your customers into your product, right? And do nothing. The problem in that is that unless you have the most, the best UX possible, you, you will have a hard time driving them to their hard moments you want them to go to, especially in, in more complex SaaS B2B kind of software where there's a lot of different things you can do and, and you want to drive them to that action, right? So you need some kind of, give them a clear path to what they should do. But the common mistake when you start building something like this is that you often end up explaining every page in your app. So basically, let's say you have an an app bar with like six items. A common mistake is you go through each item and says, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this, right? And really what you should be doing is focusing on the key jobs you want the user to do, right? Uh, to get the aha moments, as they're called, with your product, especially in a free trial, but also in a, a post-purchase onboarding. You really want to drive them to the actions where they see, wow, this is uh, why this tool is great, and this is exactly what I wanted to do, right? So for us, for instance, we use uh, very meta. We use uh, Userflow on Userflow. And the key action we want the users to go to, so we have like an onboarding checklist, Uh, You can also build that with Userflow. And you basically, the first task is to drive them to the builder. We want them to build their first flow and and see how the builder works, right? So we drive them immediately to that part of the, the product where they then build like an initial flow and see how easy it is to use. Uh, so, so, so they get that aha moment. Wow, this is really easy. Anybody can do this, right? Uh, I don't even need to be a developer to build the flows. Yeah. So, so I think that's a, That's a common mistake that you you tend to explain pages instead of focusing on jobs to be done and actions uh, that you really want them to do. 
And what should I do if there are multiple or multiple possible next steps for for a person where you have multiple personas? How how do you yep. go about finding the, the best onboarding route here? Yeah, no, so you see a lot of businesses out there when they do onboarding, they do ask uh, the customer like questions at the beginning. I think you need to be a bit careful. So Userflow with our service, we also allow you to ask in the beginning and then choose a flow depending on that. Uh, we actually also allow you to auto start a flow based on system attributes, right? So actually look at what role does this user have? Maybe you can even use like Clearbit data or HubSpot data to determine what flow they should see. You can integrate with with, with HubSpot into Userflow so, and segment. But, but I think really what, what you want to do is of course get some idea of who they are but you should also know your users, right? Like, I, I think it's a bit risky trying to uh, ask them a million questions in the beginning, because that's also annoying, right? I think you should have a really good take on who are your m most normal users. And maybe you have a couple of different roles within your platform, and then you build flows accordingly, but they are automatically started based on those roles, right? And then you can maybe ask one, question to begin with. I, I always find it a bit risky with those questionnaires in the beginning. Who are you? What do you do? And so on, right? Because you 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 don't, it takes a long time for the user to actually get any value uh, in your tool, right? If you do it like that. So so do it, but do it with, with a bit of yeah, uh, carefulness. Yeah, no, that's great advice. If you have three different personas, then just ask enough questions to put people into these buckets, right? And not overdo it. So with user flow, how, how does it differentiate from other onboarding tools? Is there definitely a, a couple around? Yeah, no, so I think in general, and that I didn't even touch upon, but the most important part in product-led growth is having a great product, right? I, I think. It, that And that's actually what I love about product-led growth. Zoom is not winning in the market because they do a freemium. Slack is not winning in the market because they do a freemium. They win because they have amazing products, and then they do a freemium to show how amazing those products are, right? And I think that is what we've been focused on at Userflow. So one thing we've been extremely focused on is usability. So having, I think you, you kind of have two groups in our market. Today you have the advanced tools that are harder to use. And then you have the very basic tools that are of course easy to use, but they're also very basic, right? And we try to find that the perfect middle ground, right? Like where you have an advanced tool, but it's easy to use because you have a great UX. So one of the big things we did was have a Kanban style builder. You might know from Trello or similar tools, right? Kanban style where you get that full end-to-end -end overview of your flows and where the more traditional ways to build flows has been screen by screen by screen. And uh, yeah, that's just one example. But in general, we have a, a very uh, strong focus on UX, usability and UI uh, and, and really making it the product nice to use while still giving the adva advanced features like integrations and ability to uh, you know do version environment control uh, trick branch outflows, all that stuff is there. But if we added all that and didn't make it easy to use, it would it would be a bad tool, right? So so that's something we've been really focused on. Mm, 100%. And just because you touched on it, I, I just wanted to ask you as well, because in the beginning, we, we spoke about freemium. And now, of course, why we speak about freemium, why are we mentioning it now? 
because with product-led, the goal is that your product doesn't just replace sales, but it also a bit replaces marketing, right? Or at least taps into it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say you, you're probably never going to replace sales or marketing, right? But you're gonna you're gonna kind of make it. You're gonna empower them actually, right? You're gonna give them a, a an easier path because if a, a a user that's already tried your product, it's much easier to sell to. And and I would say you should never forget there should also be some kind of sales touch process around the product, like emails. Maybe it's it's not it doesn't have to be meetings, but it should be like maybe an email sequence or something like that, that kind of, again, gives that personal touch to the end user so they can always reach out, right? But yeah, I agree. Marketing is another big thing that you're, 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 you're changing here. In general, product-led is about getting all functions aligned around the product, uh, marketing, um, uh, sales, customer success, etc. right? It's not only a product management thing. It's actually all those functions need to be focused on, 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 on using the product as a marketing, sales, and customer success lever, right? And I, I, I think that is clearly the future. And I think especially product marketing is going to be a huge function in marketing going forward because of this, unless they come up with some complete new name for this function. But I think product marketing is, is a function that they're right in this perfect uh, middle ground, right? And, and if you're a product marketer today, you should definitely get your head into uh, product-led growth. Uh, I think that that's the future for that function. hundred percent. Now back to user flow. Who who should use it? Who is it for ideally? Yeah, so I would say uh, software as a service businesses, that's our main customer base, right? We're looking to onboard and guide their customers in a better way. The most normal ones are B2B. Uh, but we also do have B2C uh, SaaS customers. And then the third uh, type of business we see uh, a bit more is uh, larger enterprises that have customer portals and similar, right? So they're kind of, a lot of enterprise businesses are actually looking to become more SaaS kind of software driven, right? And and they build software platforms to work with their customers and those they also need uh, onboarding for. So I would say that's that's the um, kind of customers we, we see uh, today. Perfect. So where, where can we sign up for it? So userflow.com is the, is the website. And as mentioned, you can do a two-week free trial. We made it very easy to get started. So uh, as I said, it is low code, no code. You have to technically install a small piece of JavaScript on your website. But to get started, we actually have a Chrome extension. So you can just like build the flows inside your own application and do everything without a developer. And then when you are ready, to kind of say, okay, this this is super nice. Let's install JavaScript and release it to real users. So yeah, so that's that's where you should go. That's actually really smart. Yeah, that makes sense. Where where can we find more about you or follow you? Where where do you hang out? Yeah, no. So I'm both on Twitter and LinkedIn is my I would say two communities. So on Twitter, my Espen FJ, and on LinkedIn, my full name Espen Fries Jensen, right? And just connect with me. I'm also very active in the community at productlet.com, which is a community led by Wes Bush, who wrote the Productlet book that everybody reads these days. His colleague, uh, Romney John, he's also writing a book actually on onboarding that I look forward to, to seeing because it's our space, of course. Uh, I read the first chapter and it looked good. So yeah, that's a community I highly recommend everybody to join as well who want to move into uh, product-led growth. 
and the book. Any other resources? Yeah, no, I think that that that's a good book. I mean, there are so many resources out there, right, uh, Victor? I, I I think that you can you can read many many books on on many different topics. There's something, and that's actually not related to product or growth, but there's this term called the share of wallet that I'm a big fan of, which basically means it's a way of thinking that uh, I think many SaaS businesses have a tendency to actually undersell their product and and have like a, a lower, lower pricing, right? But actually, if you have a too low pricing, you don't have a big enough share of wallet with your customer. And so they don't really care about your product. Money is a way to also show that uh, you care, right, about something. So so I think uh, I love freemiums. I love free all these uh, free trials and stuff. But but for the customers you want to, uh, like, uh, get, get revenue from, you should think about this share wallet concept and and what is the right price for for your customer base uh, basically that makes yeah. sense thank you so much for sharing that and thank yeah. you so much for being on the show i think that was super valuable it was good having you and thanks for uh, having me around yeah thanks victor this show is brought to you by trust shoring your friendly concierge to find reliable and tested software developers from eastern europe we recruit full-time developers match you to an experienced software house that's ideal for your requirements, or recommend a reliable freelancer for smaller projects. But most importantly, you benefit from our experience of developing software remotely for almost 10 years. We give you one-on-one -on -one guidance all the way so you're never lost. Stop the tedious hiring or vetting process and get matched to reliable talent. Sign up for a free consulting call with one of our experts today. Go to trustshoring.com.